You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. So let's go through the Seder. And before we go there, there's specific mitzvot that we need to complete during that first night of Pesach. And so it's once telling the story, correct? For, Time out. Yeah. First night and the second night. Okay, first night and the second okay, night. Okay, just making sure. Okay. <clears throat> and if you're listening in Israel and you are and you live in Israel, only the first night. <laughs> okay. For most people listening, first night and second night. So there's there's full-blown satyrs two, two nights in a row. Two full-blown satyrs. Yeah. We're two full-blown satyrs. We're about, talking like five hours. Some people go as okay. much six or seven. Well, I don't know if my wife, I think she is aware that, that she's going to be preparing she two She knows much better her. than you. Okay. So. <laughs> you were not aware. <laughs> um, so, okay. So it's telling the story. Four cups of wine. That's a specific mitzvah's own. It's a rabbinic yeah. mitzvah. Yes. Okay. The idea is that each cup of wine represents one of the terminologies used in the Torah for the redemption. Okay. God will take us out. God saved us. God redeemed us and God took us. Each one of them we celebrate with a with a glass of wine. Okay. Or grape juice. Hmm. Continue with the list of mitzvahs. Okay, so matzah. The, yeah, eating matzah. Eating matzah, telling the story. And there's a fourth one, I believe. Myrrh. Myrrh is also the bitter uh, herbs. The bitter herbs. It's also a biblical mm-hmm. commandment. Yeah. Okay. And is also uh, one of the mitzvahs to tell it to the children. Is well, that the key? That's telling the story. Telling yeah. the story to the... Okay. The actual phrase in the Torah is begatel levincha. You should tell it over to your children. Okay. So take take me through the Seder. Pre- uh, make me, uh, prepare me. Uh, if I don't do a good job, it'll be your fault. So, okay, so lay it so, on me. How so, do I do so this? I'm going to do something which is very unconventional. I think we should all sing the Kaddish. Kahadei shorchatz karpas yachatz magid rachza motzi matza maror korech shulchan orech tzafon barech halel nirsa. Those are the fifteen different steps of the seder. It's beautiful. Boom. So now you'll review it. You can't come over to my house and sing and that. Sing it it's like you. an acapella band. That was beautiful. <laughs> if you pass me the Haggadah right there, I'll show you that right at the beginning. It's one of the things that traditionally uh, our children would sing. And you have the list right over here on okay, page so number this 20. Is an, this is an ancient thing, by the way. This started in the times of the Talmud already. That they would right. sing it. Right. Yeah. So this is the 15 orders right there. Okay. And that is that what you just... Exactly what we just sang. Oh, beautiful. Okay. All right. So okay. Re- rewind, replay. <laughs> so just <laughs> half time let's speed. sort of give an overview summary of the... Uh, the, the Seder, right. whoever wants so to go first. So you can start with the first one. What's the first one? Kaddish. Okay, Kaddish, which is what you just did. It's it's uh, The Kaddish isn't the singing of this. Okay, that's that's like the bracha. Right, the Kaddish is the Kiddush that we make also for Shabbos. But and he other explains holidays. right there in the middle what each one is. Okay. Just to our friends on who are yeah. watching this, we recommend you get a good Haggadah. Any of the art school Haggadahs are terrific. There's also the Mezek, I just put out a new Haggadah. Uh, Feldheim has a great Haggadah. Right? Any Haggadah. You don't like Maxwell House? Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> I love Maxwell House coffee on Pesach when it's the only option. <laughs> Good answer. You got a free advertisement there, Maxwell, so don't sue me. 
So, okay. So, so, okay. So this is basically the order. This is everything we're doing right here. Exactly. Okay. So, and, and so you're saying that bracha, you're singing it. It's not a bracha. It's just that we're just, just reading off all of those names. Okay. Kadesh or Kadesh Kadesh. Is a yeah. Well, Kadesh will be a blessing. Yes, we're going to make Kiddush. Okay. We're going to sanctify the day. Okay. So it starts with uh, a couple one. Yeah. Yeah, a couple one. That's okay. the first part. And actually, this year, it's also going to include the Havdalah, the, um, the separation between Shabbos and the weekday. So there's like a on the first night. Form. I thought the I thought the Havdalah would wait until no no no. Monday. So because this year Pesach immediately follows the Shabbos, right? So we have to make Havdalah between Shabbos and even even a and holiday. Home. You still make a Havdalah. It's an abbreviated form. You don't have the spices. You don't smell the spices. Okay. You just have the flame, and you make a blessing on the flame and a blessing on the separation. But between. you do light the Havdalah candle. Well, you don't well, light it. Yeah, but you, you there's take a some... small holiday law that's okay. important. Okay. You can, from an existing flame, right? you can light a new flame on a holiday, right? Right. So now let's just play this out. Okay. You take your Havdalah candle and you go over to your stovetop, which is an existing flame it's been on, right? Right. Or you have a yard site candle, you have an existing flame. You go light your Havdalah candle. You make Havdalah. Okay. Now you're holding your Havdalah candle. What are you not allowed to do on a holiday? You, you can't can, extinguish you, that flame. Right. So you're going to have a long time holding that Havdalah candle. It's going to create quite a problem. Right. So instead of using a Havdalah candle in a okay. situation like this, when you have a Shabbos and then a holiday, you use just two candles that you're able to hold together Okay. for Havdalah. And then you just place them down and let them burn out. Place them on the table. You put They're them beautiful. on the table and use them on you your You put table. them by next to your next to your the the candles that you lit for the holiday right you put them you in a safe put them place in the place where you had the shabbos candles put them in a the safe place but that is why you do not specifically don't light your havdalah candle because you're going to be stuck you're going to be stuck a conceptual a point wax. as well the the actual blessing for havdalah is modified as well normally okay. after shabbos we'll say baruch hashem blessed are you hashem hamavdil ben kodesh lechol who distinguishes separates between holy and the profane the mundane but here, since we're not moving into the mundane world, we're right. going straight into a Yom Tov, we're going to say, Bain Kodesh the Kodesh. He, sang, he distinguishes between holy and holy. So we, right. But we do make that Havdalah because we are moving down. Despite all of the fanfare that Pesach has and all of the holidays that are, that are so incredible, like Rabbi Wolby said, Shabbos is... It's the holiest day of the year. It's the holiest. Even so, though it happens 52 times a year. Right. right. It's amazing. So we are, we are going to be descending a little bit in the holiness but so there is that distinction, but we say Bain Kodesh the Kodesh to indicate that we're still moving into a holy day. Okay, great. Uh, okay, so, so you start with <clears throat> Kiddush, okay. right? And which includes in this section Havdalah. And then you move straight into washing your hands. Right. To washing yeah. your hands. So you, you could read it. Yeah. Orchatz. So you're washing your hands and then the uh, uh, then the carpus. And then we eat the carpus. Very good. Okay. Orchat's or just a, an important note. Normally when we wash our hands, we make a, bl- a bless- blessing. Yeah. Not this time. Why? So oh, no bread. No, it's still. Yes. Well, it, no. It's, I mean, it's still matzah. You're correct. It's because we're not washing for bread. The actual reason that we're washing is because in a moment with carpas, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to dip a vegetable in water. And this is actually a fairly little-known uh, okay. halacha law that any time that you are touching and eating vegetables that are wet, 
you should wash your hands, just like you would for bread, but with no blessing. Okay, so yadayim is for right before you eat bread. Correct. Now, does it apply right before you eat matzah? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's just here, you're, the next thing you're doing is you're eating. Yeah, spoiler, it's going to be one of the steps. Okay. Yeah, and also um, when we're washing our hands, we're actually, there's also the symbolic idea that we're elevating ourselves because water, just like entering and immersing into a mikvah, into a body of water, okay. has that ability to elevate us and to reconnect us to the source, our source, which is the water, which is the Garden of Eden, which is all these ideas are, are, are spoken about a lot. But the idea of washing our hands is returning our hands to that source. So the food itself also needs a bit of elevation as well. Okay. So we dip the food in the, in the uh, salt water to elevate the food as well. Okay. Just a small, simple, um, symbolic idea. And uh, if my m memory serves me correct, but there's probably more deeper meaning, the, the carpus. It's a, it's, a, it's a green vegetable. It has a... to be a potato. No, oh, really? It does not have to be a potato. <laughs> I like never have a potato. There's a huge debate about what you're supposed to use for carpus. People have different traditions. Right. It actually, just, yeah, it just says here, a vegetable. A vegetable. It leaves it okay. up to your tradition. Okay. And if you don't have a tradition, what do you do? Potato. Of course, because Rabbi Chaim said it has to be a potato. <laughs> so what do you guys... Uh, I, I happen to like the potato more, but my wife's yeah. family never did a potato. They did celery. That's what we do. Yes. Yeah, and, and I'm like, why celery? Like, literally nobody likes celery. <laughs> I think that's the why? reason. But maybe that's why. So maybe that that's specifically why. Well, I love potatoes. But potato what, chips. It's representing something with the salt water, right? right? What? So there's, there's, two, the there's two symbolisms here. There's many symbolisms here. Okay. But I think a simple one is... And maybe not for potatoes, but the idea of having a, there are many customs mm. that it's celery, parsley, a green leafy vegetable, yeah. something that's, that you can actually see the life in it, the green, the freshness. Right. And it's really putting you in a frame of mind of, I, this is the springtime. Okay. Right? These are, these are, the, we can only access these type of food when stuff starts growing again. Okay. And so this is the springtime of our Judaism. We're experiencing a really a, a, a huge burst of growth here at the Seder. Right. So we have that immediately at the beginning is like set the tone for the Seder. I'm, I am in a whole, I'm in growth mode, right? I'm going to go through a lot of ups and downs through the Seder. Okay. I'm going to have energy. I'm going to get tired. I may get a second wind, right? I'm going to have a cup of wine. It's going to make me a little, a little loopy. And then I'm going to come back down and then I'm going to have another cup of wine. I'm going to stuff myself with matzah. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Right. Set the tone right at the beginning. This is rebirth and renewal okay. happening right now. Right. So that, that was a long time ago because Jews didn't know about potatoes until the 13, 14 <laughs> Big advocate for potatoes. I feel like the potato lobby got involved. <laughs> in about 700 years ago, we upgraded it's all a repair for the Mr. Potato Head. Bag. So do you, you, uh -huh. you have a baked potato and you're dipping a baked potato in Salt water? Well, yeah. so is it an important thing is that it needs to be a small amount. You can't eat too much of it. Like little russet potatoes? Yeah. Tiny okay. little red one. They can be okay. pieces also. That doesn't... Okay. No, they cut them up. Now, why the salt water? So, salt water, something tears. bitter, tears. tears. Okay. Understanding the context of, yes, we're experiencing renewal. But we have to understand, where did this spring forth from? It, it came, came out of something that was so bitter and so terrible that process that we had to go through in Egypt to separate ourselves from the Egyptians, to become right. a nation born out of another nation, right? Living right. amongst the Egyptians and then coming, coming out, just being taken by Hashem, understanding that. So we have to put ourselves also in that mindset from the, from the beginning is that there was extreme pain. And let's start to experience some of that pain because experiencing it together tonight will allow us to 
spring forth right. from. There's also something that salt is a preservative, which is one of the reasons we dip our challah in salt. Whenever we, we, we cut our challah, we dip it in salt on Shabbos particularly, right? We have salt on the table. And the reason we do that is because salt is a preservative. And what we're saying is, is that the relationship between us and the Almighty will be preserved for, for forever. So when we're taking this vegetable, we're dipping it specifically in salt water to say, yes, although it was bitter, although it was difficult for us, but God never forgot about us. That relationship is there forever. Right. It was specifically the tears in our crying out that awakened God's passion, uh, compassion for us and led to the redemption in the first place. That right. is what he saw. That is what he heard that led to that, to him speaking to Moshe, Moses, and uh, eventually leading to the redemption. So those tears also not only signify the growth that we had, but like Rabbi what we saying is, is that connection, that connection that is um, inseparable. Yeah, unbreakable. Unbreakable. So in the whole thing with the the uh, the plant is it, it it begins with a seed that decomposes. So it's sort of like this growth that we have is always going to be preceded by moments of maybe pain and struggle, and that's going to because that's going to happen throughout the year for all of us. Maybe not you guys, but for me, where you have some struggles, and then from that comes growth, and that right. takes you, us you're with the us. Only one who struggles. Nobody else struggles. <laughs> That's a great point. If you note, there, there's this really interesting juxtaposition throughout the whole night that can be a little bit confusing. Like we're eating matzo, which Rabbi Wolby said is the bread of affliction, the bread of poverty, right? It's it's not it's supposed to be sad, and then we eat maror, which well, is supposed to make us. Matzo. You know, it's yeah. bitter. We don't we don't enjoy that. And salt water with tears. Like it seems, it's a sad night. But on the other hand, we're supposed to be like royalty the whole night, right? And we have all of our finest things, and we we lean to the side when we eat. We'll discuss that later. And so we have this very like: Am I supposed to be enjoying it, like I'm on top of the world and the king, or am I supposed to be yeah. sad? So it 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 can. And the matzah confusing. has that dual nature to it too. It's like this dual nature of everything of the. It's of slavery and freedom. Yes. Everything, all this is sort of like two sides slaves. of the same coin. They weren't slaves when they were eating it. They only ate it after they left. Okay. I mean, that, the, the reason was that they didn't have time to let the dough rise because they were rushed out. So they weren't slaves technically at the point they were eating it. True. Were. But isn't it, how did you refer to matzah? Bread of affliction. Bread, bread of affliction. Okay, so that's, that's sort of the opposite side of the coin. And then the affliction and the freedom, they're very intertwined. Right. right, so you can't have the one without the other. Right, so it's, yeah. and, and all of this also is supposed to like, um, like Rabbi Wogelanter was saying, the experiential nature of the whole night that we sh- it's specifically we have such a stark contrast of experiencing such pain and intense um, mourning for the pain that we that we suffered before, and then on the other hand we have this very extreme on the opposite end of the spectrum where we're lounging like royalty. Right, it's to really experience that transition to really feel what it would have been like to move from a state of, of slavery yeah. into that state of, of incredible freedom. We, we need to maximize that experience of the contrast. Th- that contrast is so great because you have at the beginning of when we start eating later on in the, me- in, of the, uh, later on in the Seder, so we have the matzah, the motzi matzah, and that we eat leaning to our side because that's royalty. Then we eat the, the maror, that we eat sitting upright because that's not royalty. And then we eat the mora with the bitter herbs that we do lean again. So you're going back and forth right. right there experiencing this is royalty. This is not royalty. This is royalty again. And this, right, you understand? So yeah. 
that, that contrast is comes and goes constantly throughout the night. We see the ups and downs of the Jewish people. They're almost there. No, but they're not. But they're almost there, but they're not. Right. And, you know, and that's the, you know, I was just talking to somebody just this week. He was telling me oh, so many struggles. It's so difficult. I said, thank God. That means you're a healthy human being. Because if you had no problems, you're probably dead. Right. Right. You know, it's like in, in the EKG, um, you know, when you do a, an echocardiogram of, of the heart of someone's, right? So a healthy person will have an up and a down and an up and a down and an up and a down and an right. up and a down. Well, what's if it's just flatlined? Well, that, that's when they're dead. Right. right. They have no more challenges. Right. Healthy people have ups and downs. So welcome to the club. Okay. So in the, the whole thing you start off with, or my bus go up, but this is a time to make it experiential. That there's there's an idea here too that the Jewish people throughout history there's going to be that point like when when Joseph come, you know is in the dungeon next thing you know he's running all of Egypt that <clears throat> that type of transition is something that I think he wants to ingrain in us that there will be that point in time and, where and in no time later the Jewish people are slaves and no time later they're out of slavery and freedom yeah and then you have you constantly have that struggle so everything's meant to be transitory yeah. for, for growth and it the means... Jewish people are at the highest point ever right the revelation of God at Mount Sinai and forty days later they're 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 they're, they're idolatry uh, you know uh, ridden so right. it, it just doesn't make you know. That's the reality of, of healthy people. But it means that it doesn't depend, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, what your situation is. You should never allow yourself to be defined by that because if you because if it could change in a it could change on the it could change in a second. It could right. Change literally like like a flip of a switch. I gotta say. It <laughs> but if it could change just like that, yeah, then that means your situation literally does not define you. Right. What happens next, maybe, but you don't know what's gonna happen next. God right. can take you out in a second. So we should we should not only experience that tonight or on during the Seder, we should recognize that that means that at every moment of our lives, we're not going to let our circumstances define us right. and limit us to what we are in that moment because it could change in a second. Beautiful. Okay. Um, let's go on to Yachatz, the breaking the, the middle of the matzah. Uh, walk me through this and what it means. And... So break the middle matzah. Yeah. So there are three matzos. Okay, so you have you three matzos. They're three. covered up. You take the middle one, you break it in half. Right. So the, the top one is called the Kohen, then the Levi, and then Yisrael. Anybody, oh, okay. Anybody who says that there isn't, uh, uh, what are they called? Inequality. Inequality in Judaism or in the, in the world, it's, it's false. There is inequality. You will never get the first Aliyah in the synagogue because you're not a Kohen. Neither will I. Right. Only a Kohen will. The second Aliyah is for a Levi. The Kohen are the, are the prominent, okay, the most prominent. And then is the Levi, and then is the Israelites, the majority of us. Are you a Levi? No. Oh, look, we're all Israelites here. Okay. We're only going to get the third Aliyah and down, okay? We're never getting the first two. That's the reality. Right. So, the, uh, sit down. Back to the uh, matzah, right? <laughs> we have three matzahs. We have the Kohen, the Levi, and Yisrael. We take the Levi matzah. Right. Right. And we crack it in half. Why the Levi? Rabbi Walgoanto will explain that. Wait one second. Why are we cracking a matzah, first of all? Okay. Yeah. And why is it? Why? Are we, what are we doing? Let's just talk about what we're actually doing. Yeah. Rabbi Chaim wants to say. No. It sounded like you have something to say. No, no. I'm, I'm right, just right, posing right, a question. Right. I'm saying like before so, you get okay, the, the symbolism. Purpose, the purpose for cracking the matzah 
is we're, we're simultaneously doing two things. With these two pieces, the bigger half we're going to set aside for later. That's going to be the afikomen. Okay. That we're going to hide and, uh, and eat for dessert, yummy dessert, at the end of the night. Right. Right? Um, the smaller half is going to be what's called the lechem oni. That's the matzah that we're going to eat, which represents the brokenness, the bread of affliction, and, uh, and that we're going to make the hamotzi on, okay. the dressing for hamotzi, together with uh, a full matzah as well. Uh, actually, two full matzahs, so that we can have... Lechem Lechem so we'll continue to use that smaller one as, we part, of our, as right. part of our Seder. Okay. The bigger piece gets put, put away for later. Okay. And then as part of our storytelling and experiential part, we're going to continue using a piece the, of this. The, the, the half, the smaller the half. The smaller half that you're leaving on your Seder. Okay. Or with your, with your matzah. Okay. Matzahs. Now, anytime someone asks you at your Seder, why do we do something? You say, so that you ask the question. Right. So <laughs> that's exactly why we do it. So that's a good, a good safe, you have a safe answer to any question. It's so that our children also ask. Specifically, they, we want them, we do odd things at the Seder right. so that our children keep asking questions. Right. But and there are really two other reasons. Just no, there are hundreds of other yes. reasons. There are hundreds, right. There are <laughs> right. two main reasons. Okay. One is because we need to, um, we need to get in the, the mindset of a poor person and a poor person breaks his, his food. He splits his food in, in half and then actually he always puts aside the bigger portion for later. And he saves a bigger portion for his second meal. Right. So that's what we're doing. We're essentially putting aside the bigger portion. Okay. So that's just getting into the mindset of what it means to be poor and afflicted and so on. But there's really a second aspect to that that I only heard a few years ago and it really resonated. Um, what we're going to use the, the, the larger portion of the matzah for mm-hmm. eventually at the end of the night is what we call the afikomen, the matzah that we hide away and, um, and is going to represent the carbon pesach, the, the Passover sacrifice. Paschal lamb, whatever, okay. that we don't actually have today, that they would eat for dessert, like you said, dessert. Right. Um, they would actually eat the Paschal lamb for dessert at the end of their Passover meal. Right. So the reason why we're putting it away is because this is the thing we anticipate the most. This is the thing we're waiting for. It's the thing we want. Right. Our entire Seder is heading on a crash course to this one moment when we finally get to take out the afikomen right. and enjoy it. We finally get to partake of the whole focus of the day. The, well, not the focus, but the main course the Passover, um, the Passover sacrifice. Right. What does this Passover sacrifice represent? What is this pizza matzah, the larger piece that we're putting aside? Yeah. It represents our olam haba. It represents our future reward. That while we're going through the journey, while we're going through our ups and downs, right. We always have our eyes on the prize. We always, we're always keeping our mind focused on that final goal, on that moment when we can enjoy the, the, um, like you said, our desserts. When we can enjoy our final okay. reward in the world to come. But we got to go through that process. We got to go through that journey first and sort of um, got to hold ourselves back and contain ourselves so we don't just jump all over it. We got to leave it to the end of the meal. Your kids actually steal it. It's a whole other thing. Okay. That's, that's more start, of the chaos. Uh, yeah. And what instance we missed our, my Hebrew study with you. And what is, so you can teach me some, what is Afikomen? How do you translate that? What's the um, English equivalent dessert. to that? It means yeah. dessert. In, oh, really? Korean, okay. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So the again, the idea is that that is our olam haba, that is our final reward. Okay. That we're not that they didn't experience fully, even leaving leaving the land of Egypt. They didn't experience the final reward that God is the culmination of, of all their efforts. They didn't experience that yet. They're not. We're not going to experience that till after the Messiah comes and after the entire process of the world is completed. But at least to have our eyes on the prize and then finally get a taste of it at the end, that is the second reason that we break the matzah and we set aside that portion for the end of the 
the journey. With, nice. With okay. the breaking also, I want to, there's a, a deep Kabbalistic tradition mm-hmm. that when you break it, you should break it in a way that the bigger piece looks like a vav and the smaller piece looks like a hay. The reasons for that, I, I'm not allowed to disclose to you, mm-hmm. but there's a trick for how to do it. You want to know the secret? Yeah, I'm trying to pit, visualize breaking a monster to look like a hay. I'm going yeah. end up with just like it's, a total mess. It's not easy, but I'll tell you the secret okay. how to do it. When you break it, you tell your family, look, this is a vav and this is a hay. Can't you see it? And you put it away. Okay. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Very good. Works. Nice. Very Excellent. good. That's, that was some deep Kabbalah. So. <laughs> um, that really gets you going into, into the main into the main essence. part of the Haggadah, the right. essence of the Haggadah, which is Magid. If okay. the mitzvah of the night is to tell to the tell to the attendees, tell okay. to yourself the story of the Exodus. Right. So that breaking the matzah and going in the experience of we're back in Egypt. It takes us right back there where we broke the bread. We didn't know where our next meal is coming from. We're right. slaves. We're poor. We're down at the bottom. We're right back in there. And now we start telling a story. We enter into the section called Magid, which is the wordiest part of the Haggadah. Right. But it's, it is, it's, it's like that, set up like that, because that is where the story the storytelling happens. Right. That is exactly where the magic happens is in Magid. Again, use everything to frame your mind, to get your mind to a certain place and understand that every time there's an action in the Haggadah and something like that, yeah. it's meant to be focusing you, getting you into a mood for the next section as well. Okay. So that's exactly so, what we're doing. Magid, the word Magid it is really the telling of the tale. Okay. That is told by itself, really. Because if it is... For me to be telling it, it would be lehagid is to say. Okay. But it's magid. We want it to be, like we said before, an experiential experience where the story almost tells itself. Okay. Right? Almost like you're experiencing it, like you're witnessing it in the moment. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> like that's, that's a story being written right so in front it, of it's your not, eyes. It's not that you as the head of the table are just going to be listing off the story. You want it to become that the story becomes alive through the discussion that you have. Okay. And you need yeah. to feel it too, right? Because as yeah. the law is, and I think it says in the Haggadah, that even though the the verse, the source for it is that you should teach your children, mm-hmm. but the I law know. is that even if you don't have any children, if you're making a Seder only by yourself, you have to say the whole thing out loud. It, it, it's in, it's internalizing the whole experiential nature of this. I mean, it's for you as well. So it's right. not just, you're, you're not the uh, performer here. You're experiencing it. And a good idea in preparing, in your situation, to lead a Seder. Yeah. But even to participate in a Seder. To put yourself in the right frame of mind. Yeah. I, I really I'm, I really think it's important to, to read through the Magid section of the Haggadah before you sit down. Don't okay. just rely on what you remember from last year. Okay. But get yourself in the mindset. I know you don't like preparing the kids. But as an adult, I think no, you no, can no, do for it. Sure, for but sure. I, I think read through it and understand where are the where are the parts in here where would be a great springboard for conversation. Yeah. Even jot down some notes is like, hey, this is interesting. I'm not going to really, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to devote serious time to think about it right now. But this would be a great discussion to have over a glass of wine at the Seder uh, in the middle of Magid. What's right. with this word? What's with this idea? Why is this paragraph even here? How does this have anything to do with Pesach? Right. Ask those questions on every single paragraph and you'll discover a, a flow. Hopefully you'll uncover a flow and create a flow at the Seder, again, from slavery to freedom. Create that flow through the words of the Haggadah. So there's actually yeah. an age-old custom that the Shabbos prior to Pesach, 
people would read the whole Magid. It's not a joke. Right, right. they would read it the Shabbos before, after Minchot. Everyone would sit down with the Haggadah and go through from Magid all the way through till 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 we eat the meal part, the the eating of the meal. And the the reason is exactly like Rabbi Yaakov was saying here that you want to get into the frame of mind. And when you read it and you and you think you start thinking you have all these questions like come up and like the idea is get into the frame of mind. This is a whole it's not only a time of redemption on Passover. It's called Chodesh Agula, the month of redemption. Okay. The whole month is a time to prepare. Well, there's say, even you, a part of Maga that says that, right? Yes. They thought they originally thought the that Merosh, Merosh and it, this is just a logical assumption. You would think that you'd have to start um, discussing this, well, um, telling over the story and engaging in the experience already from the beginning of the month because that's when the whole thing started. Right. The first commandment that was given to the Jewish people literally in their history was given on Rosh Chodesh, which is the portion that we just read last Shabbos um, in Shul. Right. So the idea is that they thought, I mean, this is again just basic assumption, we're going to start discussing it from Rosh Chodesh from the beginning of the month. And then they looked at the verse, and the verse states explicitly that it should be on this night. So they said, "Okay, so um, on this night we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start discussing it, and we're gonna dis- we're gonna go over the story." But the basic assumption is it should be the entire month, right? Yeah. So when you say that the Shabbos before they typically read it, is that <clears throat> as part of a group or individually? Individually. Okay. Individually. Every so, this year, you've got about five hours in between yeah. the practice Get a and the reading. real thing. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I think they might even do it this I think you do it this Shabbos. Shabbos. Yeah, yeah, Shabbos. You could do it this Shabbos. Yeah. It gives you a couple extra days to prepare. Yeah, it's interesting. Come up with ideas, questions, insights. It's interesting that we have these days to prepare for for the Haggadah, but the, my father always points out that you never have a full week to prepare for the Shabbos of Bereshus. Hmm. The beginning, where the, you know, the first portion of the Torah which is dealing with all of creation, with all of the mystical, deep, hidden secrets of, of, of creation, you don't have enough time to prepare for it ever, right? right? For the Haggadah, you have a full week to prepare at least. In fact, the Halacha actually says that we should start preparing for Pesach a month before. So actually the students would sit with their rabbis on Purim itself, mm-hmm. which is exactly a month before Pesach, and start learning the laws of Pesach. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.